0: Hey everybody, it's Kennedy Hawk from the MCM team, and we are doing a special thing this January. A lot of people probably picked up the game Marvel Champions pretty recently. Um, A lot of people may have received this as a holiday gift, or maybe you finally decided to take the plunge into Marvel Champions now that the X-Men are finally here. So all throughout January on our YouTube channel, we're going to be putting out a ton of new player content. And I don't want people to think that, oh, I'm an expert player. This doesn't apply to me anymore, because you might be able to pick up some tips and tricks from a new player content, or as an experienced player, you're a valuable resource to all these new people picking up the game. So please watch this video, leave some comments, giving people tips and tricks and your favorite things about Marvel Champions so we can help the community grow and be the heroic players that we are. So I'm gonna I've sort of decided that I think I'm gonna do this every year in January is we're gonna do a month of like new player stuff and we're gonna update our new player guide. We did a new player guide as an MCM episode way back in the day, an MCM episode it was like 16, so it was historically out of date. So I've reviewed that new player episode, thought about some other new tips and tricks that I give newer players, and I've put together a series of videos that we're gonna be releasing throughout this month all about new player content mainly focusing on the marvel champions core set so this is the 2023 mcm new player guide getting things underway so welcome to marvel champions maybe you just got gifted this game over the holidays or you hit up that barnes and nobles 50 percent off sale or you're finally ready to take the plunge into champions now that the x-men are here Whether you're a veteran gamer or new to tabletop card games, Champions can be the perfect game for your collection, whether it's the first game you're owning or you're a veteran of LCGs. At MCM back in June of 2020, we did a new player episode, but I listened to it and I gotta tell you, it is out of date. So it's time for a new one, and like I just said, I've decided every year in January we're gonna put together an updated new player's guide. We'll kind of rotate through who contributes to it throughout the month. We're going to do a ton of content geared towards getting these new players up to speed and injected into the awesome Marvel Champions community. We're going to be doing all this through the MCM team and several guests um, joining the show. So, the 2023 New Player's Guide. What are we going to cover in today's kickoff video? We're going to do an overview of Marvel Champions. What is Marvel Champions? What are the cards? How does the game work? What are the basic ins and outs? We're not going to play a game. We're not going to read every rule of the game. But we're going to do a really quick overview. Or as quick as I, a long-winded person, can be. We're going to go through the basics of deck building. So, this is going to be a real quick intro to deck building. What are the aspects? What are the strengths and weaknesses of those aspects? What? How, how do I put a deck together? We're going to do a what-to-buy. Um, if you're just joining the game, and what to buy next guide or process. How do you decide what to buy? At this point, there's 41 heroes in this game. You get five in the core set. So you've now got 36 choices to pick from. How do you decide what to do next? We're going to have some common strategy tips and some common rule mistakes and questions for newer players, mainly focused on the core set to figure out how do I get answers to these rules questions and what should I do during my game when one comes up? We're going to talk about ways to bling your game or, you know, like treat your game really nicely and why you should do it and then I'll go through a list of community resources and ways you can get engaged with the Marvel Champions community later this month there's going to be additional videos one that's going to go into detail on some of the keys for deck building um, really geared towards newer players building your first deck and then how do you how do you craft a deck that you know is going to be successful or at least fun I'm going to complete a narrated gameplay, Of the Marvel Champions core set. So, using only core set cards, I'm going to play through the three core set villains in standard and expert mode in a set of six videos. And we're going to go over and discuss strategy guides for all three core set villains. If I have enough time, we're going to try to add one more bullet on here and do a deep dive into some of the most complex rules questions in Marvel Champions. But that might be a future episode, or you can check out our friends at the Card Text Podcast on YouTube, who have great discussions about some of the detailed rules intricacies in this game that I love. So, let's get on to the game basics for Marvel Champions. So what is Marvel Champions? Marvel Champions is a living card game by Fantasy Flight Games. You might be thinking, well, what is a living card game? It obviously isn't actually breathing. And sometimes it sort of feels like it is, but a living card game is an expandable card game. So you're going to be able to buy different packs for this LCG, this living card game, and they're not going to be randomized packs. You're going to get the same cards in every Captain America pack. So it's not like Magic the Gathering or Pokemon where you're getting some randomized booster. You're getting a specific static set of cards in a specific package. But the card game is going to feel like it's living because it's going to grow over time. So this game came out in what, 2019 or something like that um, as the Marvel Champions core set. And then hero packs have added more heroes and aspect deck building cards to the, the life of the game. Campaign boxes have added villains and hero cards. Um, we've had scenario packs that have added just villains and modular set cards. So the game sort of lives and grows and even some of the rules evolve over time. So this is a cooperative LCG by Fantasy Flight Games. So that means you're going to be working as a team. So if you're playing solo, sorry, that team's just you. But if you're playing with multiple players, you're going to have multiple heroes on the team. You can even play two heroes, play two-handed solo, and see some of the cool combos and interactions you can have in between groups of players. It's an immersive game, and what I mean by that is it's a storytelling game. It might not seem like the story is super deep the first couple times you play Marvel Champions, but you're going to reach these really rich moments where you backflip off of Rhino's charge and feel just like Spider-Man. So you're sort of taking the role or identity of a hero in the Marvel Universe and trying to thwart a villain's evil plans, and you're really going to feel immersed in the universe once you get the deck building and basics under the way. And it's, it's really, like I said, it's a tabletop simulation of the Marvel Universe. Whether it's the comic universe or the cinematic universe that you know, you're going to be playing as a classic Marvel character against a most likely classic Marvel villain and having a great time. It is sort of a beat-em-up game. You know, villain's going to swing at you, you're going to swing back at the villain. But there's a lot of interesting decision-making along the way. So... For your first game, um, when you open your box, your Marvel Champions core set, FFG has done a great thing with this game where every hero comes with a pre packaged, um, pre constructed deck. So if you are not a deck builder like me, if you are not a person that just tinkers with your decks all day, wishing that you could play deck building more, um, then you can have decks just built with your heroes. Now in the core set, Spider-Man and Captain Marvel are going to come packaged with the deck. So Spider-Man is going to come packaged with the Justice deck... And Captain Marvel is going to become packaged with an aggression deck and we'll talk what that means later but that's going to be like two separate packs of pre-packaged cards and then there's going to be a rhino villain scenario all set up as a third pack of cards so you can choose one of those heroes or you can play two player or two-handed with those two heroes and take on rhino to learn the basic ins and outs of the game and there's going to be a learn to play guide that walks you through the setup and the first playthrough of that game then there'll also be cards for three additional heroes a bunch of other aspects and a bunch of other villains those ones won't be in these pre-constructed decks you'll have to sort them out but in the rule book you get there will be a deck list for each of those five heroes to have a pre-constructed deck for for every other marvel champions hero pack or campaign box you buy That hero comes with a pre-constructed deck. So it is a 40-card deck that you can just pull out, sleeve, or put down on the table and start playing the game. Without even looking at the deck list, they have provided a deck that works. There'll be a couple extra backup cards that you can use for, you know, deck building and swapping in and out. Um, But you'll have this pre-constructed deck ready to go. So your first game, you're going to choose to play Spider-Man Justice or Captain Marvel Aggression versus Rhino. You're probably going to have a blast. You might lose because you haven't really figured out the inner workings of the game yet, but you're going to learn a lot along the way. But hopefully you'll be able to stop Rhino from thwarting through the break-in. So before we get too far into the intricacies of the game, I wanted to show you all the different card types you can have in Marvel Champions So in Marvel Champions, you're a hero, right? You're Spider-Man. And you're trying to stop Rhino from completing a scheme. That's like the main overall goal of the game. You're trying to defeat Rhino by reducing his hit points to zero before he completes his scheme. Now as we get to more expansions, the designers have had more creative ways to have alternate win conditions and alternate loss conditions to modify that, but the overall basics of the game are still usually that. You're trying to reduce the hit points of the villain to zero before that villain reduces your hit points to zero or completes their scheme, and they have like a different storyline or scheme for each of these villains. So, let's look at the player cards first. On your hero card, when you unpackage this Spider-Man pack, you're going to see that Spider-Man is a two-sided card. On one side, you are Spider-Man, and it's going to say you are a hero here in the center of the card. Spider-Man has one THW, which stands for Thwart, two ATK, which stands for Attack, and three DEF, which stands for Defense. He has the Avenger trait and an ability Spider-Sense, Interrupt, when the villain initiates an attack against you, draw a card. So he kind of gets a heads up that the villain's coming at him. He has a hand size of five and a printed hit points of 10, which we can see at the bottom of this card. On the other side of the card, you're going to see Peter Parker, who has three REC or recovery. He's an alter ego, not a hero. So each of these heroes has a hero form and an alter ego form. And some of them have even more forms, but that's the basics. Everybody's going to have a hero and an alter ego. He has the scientist ability, which is a resource ability to generate a mental resource. His hand size is six and his hit points are 10. So there's a couple things to note here right away. You've got two different forms, hero and alter ego. You have different stats in these different forms. So you have recovery, so basically you can exhaust your alter ego to recover that many hit points. You have thwart, attack, and defense in hero form, which we'll talk about how you would use those later, but basically thwart is preventing or removing threat from the villain progressing their scheme. Attack is dealing damage to an enemy card. Defense is preventing damage from an attack. The other important thing to note is you have different hand sizes in the two forms. You have 6 card hand size as Peter Parker and a 5 card hand size as Spider-Man. So you're going to be drawing more cards as Peter Parker, although you get the Spider-Sense's ability as Spider-Man. So maybe it works out both ways. Let's look through the other player card types we have. We have Upgrade cards. So here's two Upgrade cards, Spider Tracer and Heroic Intuition. On the bottom of Heroic Intuition it says this is a Justice card, and it's kind of got this yellow background because that's an Aspect card. Each of these heroes is going to come with a 15-ish card hero kit. So at the bottom of the other cards on this slide we can see Swinging Web Kick, Aunt May, Black Cat. They all say Spider-Man, 6 of 15, 9 of 15, 1 of 15. Those are cards that are always going to be in Spider-Man's deck. So Spider-Man is going to have this coherent package of 15 cards and you're going to choose an aspect to create the rest of your deck. So upgrades are hero cards that you get to play or player cards that you get to play that sort of stay in play or they stay in play for a certain amount of time and they upgrade your hero. Upgrades are considered an extension of your hero, so here Heroic Intuition says play under any player's control, your hero gets plus one thwart, so now Spider-Man would have two THW instead of one thwart. Spider Tracer says attached to a minion, something happens when you defeat that minion. The other important thing to note on these player cards is in the bottom left, there's a resource icon, so those both show a lightning bolt symbol, which is an energy resource. One of the, my favorite things about marvel champions is that cards in your hand are also the resources you have when you open to that marvel champions core set there were a bunch of tokens to punch out those aren't resource tokens the resources are the cards in your hand so spider tracer here has a cost of one and it provides one energy resource heroic intuition has a cost of two and it provides one energy resource so if i want to play spider tracer I have to discard the right number of resources from my hand, so I could discard Heroic Intuition to play, pay for Spider Tracer and play it onto the board. These cards have traits and things like that, but generally they're considered extensions of your hero. You don't have to do any fancy resource matching, there are some cards that when you read them will get like a bonus if you use a certain type of resource, but for the most part, resources are, are, are pretty generic, right? You don't have to spend exactly one energy resource to pay for an energy card or anything like that. So s- the next type of card is an event. Swinging WebKick is a three cost event from Spider-Man's kit. It has the aerial attack and superpower trait, and it says hero action attack, deal eight damage to an enemy. It provides a mental resource if you were to discard it as a resource. So here we have a hero action. So events are like one-time use cards. They go into your discard pile. They resolve immediately. Um, After you pay for them and you perform the action. So here there's some important terminology. This is a hero action So you'll have to be in hero form to play swinging web kick a spider-man It deals 8 damage to an enemy. So it could be the villain or other enemies that we'll talk about soon It has these traits those traits can be used for other triggers, but they have no value or meaning um, to themselves Next we have supports, so a 1 cost support from Spider-Man's kit is a unique card, that's what that little starburst symbol means, and it's Aunt May. She's a persona, that's what her trait is. She has an alter ego action to exhaust Aunt May to heal 4 damage from Peter Parker. And again, if you were to discard her instead of playing her, so discard her from your hand as a resource, she provides an energy resource. So Aunt May is really good. So she's a support that enters play, sort of like an upgrade, but supports are not considered an extension of your hero. So if something is preventing your hero from dealing damage or your hero from readying, they're not preventing your supports from doing that. Um, Aunt May is a very powerful support that you can use. But again, so Swinging Web Kick was a hero action. Here we have an Alter Ego action. So this is a repeatable action once you've played it, but you have to be an Alter Ego form to use it and finally the last type of card we can have as a player is this black cat this ally so she says ally under her two costs she's a two cost unique ally black cat she has one thwart one attack under her one thwart she has a little star symbol under her attack she has no star symbol black cats like another character you can play onto the board um just like spider-man she can now attack and thwart she can even defend but she doesn't prevent any damage with her defense stat because she doesn't have one Um, After she performs a thwart action, she'll take one damage. That's what that little star means. After she performs an attack, she takes no damage. So she can sort of attack infinitely, but only once per round, unless you find a way to ready her, because you'll have to exhaust her to perform that attack. She also has a forced responsibility. We won't read what the ability is, but here's an important note. Um, Aunt May is not a forced alter ego action, so you don't have to do that when you play her. You don't have to do it every turn. Black Cat is a forced response after you play Black Cat. So after you play Black Cat, you have to resolve her ability. You're not allowed to ignore it, technically. Um, so allies are another type of card you can play. So you can have unlimited number of upgrades in play, but some upgrades have limits on them, like Heroic Intuition will say max one per player. Again, you can play an unlimited number of events on your turn. Some of them might have you know, a text on them that says max one per round or max one per turn. You can have unlimited number of personas and supports in play. But again, if you have a unique ant May in play, nobody else can also play ant May. So there's a uniqueness rule. And then allies. You can have up to three allies in play. Each player has an ally limit of three. So you can have up to three allies in play, and there's ways to increase that limit. And that just prevents you from flooding the board with too many allies, which can be a problem sometimes. So those are the player card types. The basics you need to remember are upgrades and supports are sort of usually permanent cards. Events go immediately to the discard and resolve. Allies go to the board, and then they have some sort of like survivability or lifespan, depending on how quickly you use or expend their actions. All right. Let's go on and look at the encounter cards or the villain cards. So when you play Marvel Champions, you're gonna choose a hero. You're gonna create a 40 to 50 card deck and you're gonna take it up against a villain who's trying to complete a scheme. So each villain will be paired with a main scheme. Um, So here Rhino is gonna be your introductory villain. Rhino has one S-C-H, which is his scheme. It's kind of the inverse of Thwart. When Rhino performs a scheme, he will add one threat plus a boost amount of threat to the main scheme. And that's him trying to complete his scheme. He has two for his ATK. That is his attack. So when he attacks you, he will deal two damage plus some boost amount of damage. And you'll be able to mitigate that with your defense. He has no ability, but he has the keywords brute and criminal and 14 hit points. And that little person symbol means per player. Note, this is Rhino 1 at the top right. To play a full game of Marvel Champions, you'll take down usually two stages of the villain, and the main scheme will sort of tell you how that's going to go. So Rhino's main scheme on the A side, 1A, is the break-in. It says Contents, Rhino 1 and 2, or Rhino 2 and 3 instead, if playing Expert mode. So there's three versions of Rhino 1, 2, and 3. In Standard, which is what I recommend you start with, you'll play against Rhino 1 and 2. In Expert, you'll play against Rhino 2 and 3. So it Shifts up the game, makes it a little bit harder. So it says Rhino 1 and 2, Rhino and standard encounter sets, and one modular encounter set recommended Bomb Scare. So what this means is when you're building Rhino's villain deck, you're going to include all the cards, the rest of the cards from the Rhino set. You're going to include the standard encounter set, which is basically in almost every scenario of Marvel Champions, and one modular set, which is Bomb Scare. So in the core set, you're going to get five modular sets, and you'll be able to mix and match those with the villains to sort of change the flavor of how the scenario goes. It then says set up advance to stage 1b. So you're going to flip this main scheme over. It's got some flavor text on there, and it says if the stage is completed, the players lose the game. So Rhino is trying to complete his break-in. There's a bunch of numbers on this card. So at the top left, there's the seven per player symbol. That is the threat threshold. When this main scheme has that much threat on it, it is completed and it advances. Um, in this case, the players lose the game. So in solo, that means if Rhino gets to 7 threat, he wins the game. In 2 players, 14. In 4 players, 28. The other two numbers on there, there's a 0 at the bottom of this like extended arrow. That's how much threat starts on this scheme when it comes into play. And then the plus one per player is at the beginning of the villain phase the villain's going to sort of automatically progress their scheme a little bit they're going to progress it by one threat per player so in solo you're adding one threat to this scheme at the start of every villain term in um, four player you're adding four threat so this is the key to the game you need to reduce Rhino's hit points from 14 to zero in solo or 28 and two players to zero before he gets the threat to seven threat Or before he reduces all hero hit points to zero, and that's how you win the game. There's a lot of other caveats to that, right? There's an exception to every rule in every game, but that's the basics of Marvel Champions. So what types of encounter cards can Rhino get, right? He can get lots of cool stuff too. So villains can get attachment cards. These a lot of times are like upgrade cards. They typically attach to the villain or a minion. Sometimes attachment cards can't attach to a player. They're generally like a semi-permanent boost that goes on to a character. So here's an armored Rhino suit, which you can guess is going to mitigate damage for Rhino. They can get minions. So these are additional villains. So this Hydra Mercenary minion has a scheme value and an
1: attack
0: value. So they're going to be able to scheme and uh, perform scheme actions and perform attack actions. They have three hit points on the right in the middle. And they have some abilities. This one has Guard. And then notice at the bottom right, there's a little boost icon there that's a 1. We're going to jump back up to the villains and talk about what that is. So one of the keys to Mortal Champions is we're going to talk about how the player phases progress later. But basically during the villain phase, you're going to get that automatic threat. And then the villain and minions that are engaged with each player are going to activate against each player. So the villain's engaged with everyone. So in a one-player game, Rhino is going to activate against me. If I am in hero form, Rhino is going to perform an attack action. If I am in Alter Ego form, Rhino is going to pre- uh, complete a Scheme activation. So he'll perform whichever one I'm in based on what form I'm in. And this is where like the, the, the tension comes in in Marvel Champions. is Rhino is dealt a face-down encounter card from the encounter deck. You decide if you're going to defend or play any fancy events to try to prevent things. And then you'll flip that encounter card over. So let's say he's attacking me and I flip an encounter card over, and I flip one of those Hydra Mercenaries over, he's going to do two damage plus one from the number of triangles on that card. If you look around this slide, we see Eviction Notice, the Spider-Man Obligation. That has two boost icons or triangles in the bottom right of the card. So it would boost Rhino's attack or his scheme by two if drawn as his boost card. So there's a little bit of variation on top of whatever stat, but that's kind of the minimal stat that they'll get. So, again, minions are just more roadblocks along the way. There are more things that can scheme and attack against you. Minions will not receive boost cards unless they say that they get them. Treachery cards are the villain version of events. They are resolved. They get revealed. You resolve the when reveal the text, and then they enter the discard pile. Um, environments are kind of like supports, in my mind. They're cards that come into play that change the game. They're not exactly the villain, but they're things that might impact the villain or tell you how to... Like, give you an extra set of rules to apply with the villain. So this one here you can see in the bottom left is from Absorbing Man, it's the abandoned facility. So that's from one of the campaign expansions later. I think in the core set there's only one environment and it's in Ultron and it's a confusing one so I didn't show it, Um, but environment cards exist. And there's an important note here on boost cards. So here instead of a triangle in the bottom right you see a little star symbol and the boost says put this card into play. When you boost a card, you add any triangles there, and then you resolve any boost abilities on those cards. So if you reveal a minion, let's say you reveal Hydra Mercenary as your, or you flip Hydra Mercenary as your boost card for Rhino's attack, the Hydra Mercenary doesn't enter play. They go to the discard pile and they just add one attack. But Abandoned Facility does get put into play because the boost ability tells you to do so. So we have Treacheries, we have Environments, we have two more card types for the villain. We have side schemes, so these are not the main scheme, but they're extra schemes that the villain's trying to distract you with. So Rhino has one that comes out in stage two called Break It and Taken. It starts at two threat plus one threat per player, and it has a hazard icon. So there's four different side scheme icons um, in Marvel Champions. There's the hazard one, which is this plus one encounter card. So during the villain phase, you're gonna deal an extra encounter card to players talk about that means in a little bit there's an acceleration one which increases by one how much threat you place at the beginning of the villain phase there is a crisis icon that says well this side scheme is in play you can't remove threat from the main scheme talk about that again later as well and then there is an amplify icon which basically gives one extra boost icon to each card boosted um very technical it's r- explained really well in the learn to play so you won't struggle with it too much but just remember if you see a fancy looking symbol you know what it means look it up in the rulebook; book you'll find it really fast the last card type is an obligation so each player each hero is going to have an obligation and a nemesis set the nemesis set starts outside of the deck but you do shuffle your obligations into the deck so here eviction notice says give to the peter parker player you may flip to alter ego form and choose exhaust peter parker to remove this card from the game or discard a random card from your hand this card gains surge which means give yourself another card and discard this obligation. So obligations are these like things that are distracting you from stopping the villain's plans. A lot of card types. A lot of technicalities. So how does this all work together? How do I play the game? So luckily, Marvel Champions begins on a player phase. Um, so Marvel Champions is a game that is played in rounds. So each round is going to consist of two phases. There's going to be a player phase. And then there's going to be a villain phase or an encounter phase. Um, during the player phase, uh, the player phase is going to begin, and anything that triggers at the beginning of the player phase will trigger. Each player is going to take a turn. So to take a turn, you perform all the actions you can perform. You can play events from your hand. You can play all those card types. You can exhaust your hero to do one of their basic things. So you could exhaust your alter ego to recover. You could exhaust or turn sideways your hero to do a basic attack, dealing damage equal to your ATK. You can exhaust your hero to thwart, removing threat from one of those side schemes equal to your uh, your thw or thwart value and that's really how you stop the villain from progressing that scheme Um, so you can perform those actions on your turn and each player is going to take their turn independent er, or in in sequence um, independently so if you're playing a three-player game player one will go player two will go player three will go A lot of things you can do in other players' turns, you can play hero actions, you can exhaust cards you have on the board to perform actions, but you can't use your base stats, you can't play allies, you can't play upgrades and supports, it's only things that say action on them that you can do during other players' turns, or reaction, or interrupt, and things like that. Um, But you are able to sort of help people out on other players' turns, but there's a limit to what you can do, and there's an order sort of going around the table. Once each player has taken their turn, we're going to go to the player phase end. And during the player phase end or the end of the player phase, there's a couple things you're going to do. You're going to ready all the cards you have on the field. You're going to, you have the option to discard any number of cards from your hand and then draw up to your hand size, or discard down to your hand size. So this is why it's important to remember what form you ended in. If you ended in hero form, like as Spider-Man, you're going to draw up to five cards. If you ended in Peter Parker form, you're going to draw up to six. So you can spend those cards pretty liberally um, as resources because you're always going to draw up to some sort of reserve value. Um, you're then going to go into the villain phase and begin the next phase against the villain. So during the villain phase, so we finish the player phase, there's a villain phase begins, and there's a things that could trigger there. You're then going to place threat on the main scheme based on the main schemes threat increase. The villain and minions will activate starting with the first player, the villain and all the minions engaged with you will activate against you, and then the next player so on and so forth until you've gone around the table. You're then going to deal encounter cards. So for each player, you're going to deal them one encounter card from the encounter deck. So that's how minions will enter play instead of being used as a boost card. Then each player resolves the encounter cards in front of them. Finally, you pass the first player token and then do the end of the round. Um, So anything that triggers at the end of the round will trigger and then you'll proceed back to step one, which is the player phase beginning. So you're going to go player phase, villain phase, player phase, villain phase, player phase, villain phase till one of those two entities has won, either the players or the villains. And that's the game of Marvel Champions. All right, so that's my overview of Marvel Champions. It was a fire hose, I know, but as soon as you start playing the game, you're going to love it. Um, Hopefully you'll be able to check out the playthrough series because I'll try to explain some of these rules and concepts as we're going along. But next we're going to get into a really quick deep dive into what I think a lot of people are going to really love in Marvel Champions, which is deck building. So like I said, Marvel Champions has a pre-constructed deck for every hero you're going to get in the game. But if you really want to get into the spice of Marvel Champions, you can do some deck building. And there's like a lot of nuance and art that can go into deck building. Well, let's just talk about the basics of deck building. What you're going to do if you want to build a Marvel Champions deck is you have to make a 40 to 50 card deck. You're going to pick a hero. That hero comes with 15 identity-specific cards that must be included in your deck. Then you're going to pick an aspect, and there's four choices to pick from. There's aggression, justice, protection, and leadership. And you're going to include 25 to 35 cards of the chosen aspect and basic or generic cards. Um, so you're making a... 40 to 50 card deck, 15 of your cards are predetermined, and then you, the player, have to decide on the rest. So that's where like the art of deck building comes from. Um, When discussing the game with someone, someone might say, oh, I built a Spider-Man aggression deck, which is going to play completely differently than a Spider-Man leadership deck, because those 25 to 35 cards are really important. It's over half your deck that you're putting together. Spider-Man's cards are going to be really powerful, and with each hero, they kind of try to give you lots of different solutions to different villain scenarios, but whether you shore up the weakness of your hero or, like, you know, exemplify their strength is going to be all up to you the deck builder so i always recommend playing with the pre-constructed deck first just to see how the hero works and see how all the new cards um, come together but deck building can be a super rewarding and fun part of playing marvel champions so let's go talk a little bit more about deck building so the art of deck building the art and fun in deck building comes from how you merge your deck style between the chosen hero you picked and what 25 to extra 30 25 what extra 25 to 35 cards you include so do you want to fill your hero's weakness or showcase their strength, right? Do you want to build for a specific scenario, or do you want to create a combo that can go off in any scenario? Your choice of what aspect and basic cards you include is the first step on your cha- champion's path to becoming you know, a champion of Marvel Champions. The game packages each hero with a preconstructed deck, and I've talked about them a lot. I really do think that that's a great idea. Unfortunately, the preconstructed decks aren't exactly great. Um, they will provide a challenging game for you, but usually they don't have the right balance of cards. And this is common in almost every card game I've ever played. It seems like the prepackaged decks are just there to give you like a taste of you know how the game could work. But if you want to make a finely tuned deck that's going to be super efficient against a villain, you're going to want to learn some of the basics of deck building and how do you get to a good deck. Um, so some key deck building tips just for new players. If you're playing in solo, you're going to pick your aspect and basic cards to shore up your hero's weakness. You kind of want to create an all-arounder character. And the reason I say that is in multiplayer, right, if the villain throws a bunch of threat at you, and you've built on a hero that's just good at attacking, there's not much you can do about that. Um, or in solo, if, you, if that happens. But in multiplayer, you know, one of you can be a thwarter and one of you can be an attacker and you can kind of share each other's weaknesses and help each other out. So in solo, you kind of want to build a character that can do everything. You want to be sure to include a ton of two to three cost allies to bolster your defense. Those allies can defend for you, which prevents damage from hitting your hero. So you're gonna want to defend with your allies often um, and a lot to prevent all of that damage. You're going to want to make a well-rounded deck, like I said, that can handle anything the villain throws at you, and include a staple suite of basic cards to help keep your deck running smoothly. So I'm talking about cards like Dick Fury, Mockingbird, Energy Genius Strength, stuff like that. In multiplayer, you can still make a well-rounded deck, um, but what I've noticed a lot of players like to do is pick an aspect and basic card that focus on one facet of your hero— and create a really fine-tuned deck at completing one task. I am going to be a damage dealer, or I am going to be a threat remover, or I am going to be a defender of all things. So if you can figure out what role you're going to play on your team, you can build a deck craft just around that. So you never have to worry about, oh, I needed to thwart, but I drew the wrong cards, because somebody else is the thwarter, and every card in their deck is meant to thwart. So you're going to want to discuss with your team beforehand about how are you going to distribute different tasks and roles throughout the game, and how should you build your deck to shape around that. You do still want to try to maintain some minimal amount of thwarting and damage prevention, right? You want to prevent the villain from reaching their win conditions, so if you can do a little bit of thwarting, and if you can defend and pinch, it's always going to help your team out. Um, so again, you want to include plenty of allies. They're the strongest card type in the game. Um, that hasn't changed um, since the last time we made this episode. So honestly, you really want to include five to seven allies in almost every deck you build when you're starting out. I definitely built decks with less um, later on once I became, you know, like a really crafty deck builder that didn't mind losing a lot. Um, but for the most part, that's still a rule that I follow to this day. Alright, I'm going to say this many times in this video. There is no shame in deck decking. In a lot of card games, for some reason, there's this really negative connotation around, oh, finding a deck online and just copying it. That's not what net decking is, especially in a cooperative game like Marvel Champions. You can read someone else's deck, right? You might read The Claw That Broke the Camel's Back by Nocturnal Animal. It's a great deck. It's got 161 likes on this website, marvelcdb.com. But you might see something in it that's slightly different. So maybe you start with Nocturnal Animals deck and then you tweak it a little bit after a few plays. There's no shame in learning from what other people have tried and figured out. You're going to find a ton of really great resources on this website, MarvelCDB.com. Um, There's decks for every hero. You can sort by popular decks. You can sort by like what decks haven't been created. Maybe there's not a lot of War Machine Protection decks or something like that. And you can find some really, really, really fun decks that fit specific roles. You can find ones that are tagged for solo or ones that are tagged for multiplayer or theme or beginner-friendly decks. Um, to really, you know, up your arsenal and get good practice in playing efficient decks and learning what the different cards do before you want to go and craft your first deck. I still play decks off the DB today, even after thousands of games of Marvel Champions. I'll go to the DB at least once a week and just be like, oh, that's a cool new deck, I want to go try it out. So there's no shame in that decking. Um, In fact, I encourage it, if you do play someone's deck on the DB, comment and be like, hey, I tried out your deck, it was super fun this was the thing I liked, or this was a thing I didn't understand. Most of the people that are performing those write-ups are super excited to tell you why they made the decisions they made. I know personally, when people comment on mine with with, with ideas, I'm usually like, that's a really good idea. I should have tried that. So there's no um, no shame in net decking, no shame in engaging about how do I build my decks, or no reasons to even like keep your deck a secret, right? It's a cooperative game. We're a cooperative community. We're really excited to talk to you about different ways to build decks all right so i talked about you're going to pick a hero you're going to pick an aspect what are the aspects right um so there's four aspects you get to pick from so why not play aggression aggression is an aspect all about taking damage and punching the villain space it's got lots of different archetypes within it it's got lots of cards that like to punch attack minions or take advantage of having minions in play it's got really good card draw capability and it's got really diverse archetypes it's got You know, a little weapon subset of deck building. It's got one that's all about pumping your allies' attack and using them to attack instead of defend. And it's got ones all about playing attack events and not worrying about allies' upgrades and supports. So a really diverse aspect that has a ton of different deck types at this point in the game. And you'll notice that a lot of players like have an affinity towards one aspect, but most of us try all the aspects. So there's good reasons to run every aspect at some point in your Marvel Champions time. So, um, aggression, really good aspect. Justice, why not play Justice? Justice is like the go-to solo aspect because it can remove basically one of the loss conditions from the game. It has super efficient threat control. It's all about controlling the villain and making sure we never lose to the main scheme. Um, So it has efficient threat control. It has things that allow you to jump down to alter ego form really easily, things that prevent threat when you're an alter ego or that confuse the villain so that he he or she can't thwart. It has a really cool new archetype all about playing shield cards. So you're a hero and you're being recruited by shield or bringing a bunch of shield agents with you to perform different actions. So really cool archetype that works with almost every hero if you buy far enough into the game. But really all about threat control and stopping that loss condition. Why not play protection? Protection is the aspect that I used to harp on the most, but it slowly creeped up in my rankings and probably now is ranked number two or three for my favorite aspects. Protection is for the players that never want their friends to be hurt. Maybe you want to defend for yourself and make it so that when the villain performs that attack activation, you can just laugh it off. There's a ton of villain cards that interact during the villain phase. So like we said earlier, normally it's player phase, villain phase, player phase, villain phase. Protection has a ton of cards that let you play cards during the villain phase. That means you're getting to interact with more time during the game. You're getting to like, you know, mitigate some of the loss conditions the villain could be bringing out. So there's villain phase interaction cards. There's mitigation cards to prevent you or other players from taking damage and it's got this really cool sub theme of self-recurring allies there's allies that bounce back to your hand there's allies that shuffle back into your deck um, and you don't need anything secondary to do that it's just printed right onto the ally that they like have a way of auto regenerating sort of if that makes sense so it's the support or defender aspect Now, why not play leadership it's the best aspect of all at least it's my favorite so leadership is all about Bringing out allies, or at least that's what it used to be all about. It was about getting allies onto the board, using them to block for yourself and other players. It's kind of the jack-of-all-trades aspect, because all of those allies can thwart, and they can attack, and they can defend for the other players. So they can do aggression, they can do justice, they can do protection, and hopefully they can do it better than all the other three. Not really. I think they are about on equal footing nowadays. But it used to be one of the strongest aspects, and it's still really strong, because er, uh, ally defending is a very strong um, technique. So you have all the econ, you have allies that draw cards when they enter play, you have ways to exhaust allies to draw more cards, you have a really cool archetype around pumping up one ally with a ton of upgrades and making them like a second hero on your team, and more recently they've sort of spread these cards throughout the life cycle of the game, there's a lot of leadership cards that are all about pumping your statistics. increasing your thwart, attack, and defense, and then using those statistics greatly. Either using them in conjunction with your allies or using them as like the leader of a team of allies that are you know leading behind your charge. So it can be a really fun, rewarding aspect to play. Um, it's definitely probably one of the most stable, probably the second best solo aspect. I think that Justice is really good at removing that uh, threat problem in solo. And leadership is really good at like mitigating the threat problem and then removing the loss by damage problem in solo, which is why it makes them two of the really good solo aspects. So that's the overview we're going to do on deck building for today. Um, I do want to give you one really tip or trick as a new player. If you have the Marvel Champions core set and maybe you bought the Miss Marvel um, pack, there's a new deck starter kit you can use to build every deck you build in Marvel Champions. Once you have played enough, you probably aren't always going to rely on these staple cards, but to start with, when you're building your first couple decks, you should just always include a copy of Nick Fury and Mockingbird. Those are both basic allies that are very, very strong. Include an energy, a genius, and a strength. Those are resource cards that provide double the resources. We didn't mention resource cards on the cards that players could have, but there's also cards that can just be spent as resources. Um, We have Endurance, which increases your hit points, so everybody can use hit points, and then Carrier, which is sort of like a cost-reducing, big, basic support card. That's seven cards um, that you can include basically in every deck you build, and it's always going to help you. No hero is going to be sad that those cards were in their deck. So it's a really good starter when you're building a deck, um, and then you flesh out the other whatever it would be, 23 cards um, around that, if that makes sense. Not 23. 7. 25 minus 7. I can do math. 18 cards. Yeah, that's the number. Alright. That's what we're going to go through for deck building in today's video. I have another video that's coming out in two weeks that's all about the basics and does some live deck builds. Um, So be sure to check back in for that if you want to learn more about deck building. But a super rewarding part of Marvel Champions that I hope you're going to be excited to engage with. Next, we're going to do a buyer's guide. So this is going to be all about... What do you need to buy to play Marvel Champions? Well, hopefully you've already purchased this. But if you're watching this video and you've gotten forty minutes in and you haven't decided yet, all you need to do all you need to buy play this game is to buy a Marvel Champions core set. In that core set, it's one of the most valuable like LCG starter core sets ever. They used to make you buy two core sets and all sorts of trickery to sort of like get you to buy more product. But now the Marvel Champions core set is sort of like a four-player starter set that you only need one purchase for. So in that Marvel Champions core set, you're going to get five heroes with their nemesis sets and obligations. You're going to get Black Panther, Captain Marvel, Iron Man, She-Hulk, and Spider- Spider-Man. You're going to get three villains to play against, Rhino, Claw, and Ultron. And you're going to get cards for all four aspects and some basic cards. So you're going to get aggression, justice, leadership, and protection cards. You're going to get a deck lists for those five pre-constructed decks. So you can pair Black Panther with any of those four aspects, Captain Marvel with any of those four aspects, Iron Man, She-Hulk, and Spider-Man. So just 5 characters times the 4 aspects is like 20 decks you can build. Plus, you can, you know, tinker around with, like, the balance of how many cards are in there. There's, like, limitless options almost, right? But 20-ish decks or themes that you can build your heroes around. You're going to get five modular sets. So, you have those three villains and the five modular sets. So, with each villain, you're going to include one of those modular sets in the core set. So, that's 15 different ways you can mix the villains and mods, 20 different ways you can make your decks. There's, like, hundreds of playthroughs you could do before you've played every hero aspect combination against every villain modular set combination. You're also going to get tokens, dials, and two, I have this in quotes, rule books. You're going to get a learn to play guide, which is going to be all about like setting up that first Spider-Man versus Rhino game and learning how to play, and you're going to get a rules reference guide, which we'll talk about a little bit later, but it's supposed to be a comprehensive guide of all the rules in Marvel Champions. It's supposed to be. Um, and. There are really great resources out there for that. So you'll you'll get a rulebook that should get you through most of your core games. Um, and that's all you need to play the game. But once you've gotten that, if you're anything like me, you're going to say, how many more things can I buy and how fast can I buy them, right? <laughs> like how, do, how do I make this game my lifestyle game? Well, the great news is FFG has put out a ton of product for this game in a very short period of time. So there are is the Marvel Champions core set, which is the only thing you need to play the game. It comes with all the tokens. It comes with all the different card types you'd need. There's also campaign boxes. So with each campaign box you buy, you're going to get two more heroes with aspect cards. So pre-constructed decks with those heroes. You're going to get five villain scenarios and a set of modular sets to go with them. And some sort of connected campaign to go through them. There's five different campaign expansions at this point. So that's a lot. That's 25 villain scenarios and 10 heroes right there. Um, You can buy hero packs. So a hero pack is a pre-constructed hero deck with 20 more like back of pack cards about, plus a nemesis set. Um, So it provides a boost to the deck building side of the game. More recently, some of the hero packs have also come with a modular set, but that's not all of the hero packs. Most of them typically come with the extra player cards in the back. And there are scenario packs. So that's sort of the opposite. It adds I think some of them add only one scenario, some of them add up to three scenarios. I think there's five scenario packs at this point, too. And they all add a varying different amount of modular sets and scenarios to the game so that you have more villains to take your deck building up against. So you have a plethora of choices. If you think you have enough deck building in the core set, you can go get some scenario packs. If you want you know, a specific hero, maybe you really, really love Black Widow and you want to go get that Black Widow hero pack, go and get it. Or maybe your favorite hero like me, Hawkeye, is included in the Rise of Red Skull box, so I say, I want to go get that as my first purchase, because it's going to add a ton of content to my deck building, and it's going to give me more villains and more longevity for the decks that I already have. Um, so you have a ton of choices of what to buy. There's a lot of paths you can take. Um, so let's go through those different paths of how you can play through Marvel Champions. But quickly, I wanted to overview the campaign boxes that exist for Marvel Champions, because this is like these campaign boxes, in my opinion, are some of the best value in the game. Um, So there's five campaign boxes, and they're shown here in release order. So the Rise of Red Skull was the first campaign box. It comes with Hawkeye and Spider-Woman against a ton of Red Skull and Hydra villains. There is Galaxy's Most Wanted, which has Rocket and Groot against a bunch of space-faring villains. Um, We have the Mad Titan's Shadow, which is Spectrum and Adam Warlock against a series of Black Order villains, Thanos, and maybe some surprise twists along the way. We have Sinister Motives, which is Ghost, Spider, and Miles Morales against a ton of Spider-Man rogues gallery villains. And then we finally just recently got X-Men added to the game. So we have Mutant Genesis, which is Colossus and Shadowcat against, you can see here in the box, Sentinels, Magneto, you know, the classic X-Men stuff. Um, So there's lots of campaign boxes to choose from. If you were to pick a campaign box to start with, I would suggest the Rise of Red Skull or Mad Titan's Shadows. Um, They are... Not the hardest boxes, but they do still provide some challenging villains. The heroes in them are very fun and very strong. And the difficulty of the villains isn't so outside of the park that it can be frustrating. Um, Some of the villains in Galaxy's Most Wanted, Sinister Motives, and even Mutant Genesis can be very not new player friendly. Because they're kind of tuned to be for after you've played this game a hundred times. What's a, what's a scenario that's really going to force you into like difficult decision-making or difficult deck-building? Um, they are great boxes, so don't get me wrong, but if you're going to start with a box and you know, play through a campaign and experience a bunch of different villains, a bunch of different heroes, I suggest The Rise of Red Skull or Mad Titan's Shadow. Alright, so what to buy next? There's sort of three paths you can take, in my opinion. You could do a progression series. This is how I played the game, right? I've been buying everything since it came out right as it came out on its release date and experiencing things in timeline order or like time release order. There are some people that think that like this was the way the game was intended to be played with this specific card pool versus this scenario. I'm not of the belief that that is necessarily true. Um, so I think that if you want to experience things in the way the community did, you can definitely buy things in release order. If you go to some of the community resources like Marvel CEB or Hollow Heroes, which I'll talk to you about later, you can see what that release order is and buy things in the order they came out in. But at the same time, if you have a favorite hero, I don't think you should force yourself into this progression style of play. It is nice because you get to experience things like everybody else did and see. Oh man, that campaign box was really hard with the card pool at the time, but now it's it's a lot easier. It's a different puzzle when I have more cards available to me. Um, some of the cons of this is it might be a while before you get to your favorite heroes. Like if you're a fan of X Men and mutants, you're going to be waiting several purchases before you get to them if you play in progression order and the card pool may be unbalanced for some scenarios some scenarios might be a little bit more challenging that galaxy's most wanted box the second box it was really challenging when it came out and it's a little bit better now um it's still probably one of the hardest boxes and releases we've had in this game even with the expanded card pool so you're going to experience some of those hiccups that we all experienced um, which can be rewarding but can also be a little bit frustrating One way I like to tell people to do things is to go through an aspect rotation. So if you're a person that's really into deck building, you kind of want to have balanced pools of deck building. You don't want to buy like 10 leadership packs and have no new aggression cards. So you pick whatever your favorite aspect is and find a hero that relates to that aspect um, or that comes prepackaged with that aspect. And then go pick one pack for each of the other aspects and sort of grow the card pools simultaneously for each of the deck building aspects now ffg tries to do this with the releases um but it always doesn't always work out like the first pack of hero waves there were six hero packs there was captain america with leadership miss marvel with protection black widow with justice thor with aggression and then there was doctor strange protection and hulk aggression and then the very next box had leadership and justice in it but it had like a half deck of justice. So some of the card pools got a little bit unbalanced if you do things in progression order. But if you're doing like an aspect rotation order, you can really try to keep those deck building piles, you know, equally distributed along the way. And then if I was to start playing the game now, what I would do is I would play a la carte. I would pick and choose the order of the releases based on my interest in whatever villain scenario or hero is available or if there's a card I want from a certain pack. All the cards are pretty well available or all the packs are pretty well available um, through either ordering through your local game shop, ordering through Asmodee or ordering online. Um, the con of, or the pro of this is you're going to be able to have a blast because you're going to pick your favorite heroes um, and things like that. You might get demotivated when you get to those heroes where you're like, oh, these were my bottom of the barrel choices. But hopefully at that point the deck building cards are enough incentive to get you really excited and then you find that those heroes can actually be really engaging. Your aspect pool may be a bit unbalanced. Maybe you really like Hawkeye and Captain America and and Star-Lord, and you buy those three packs, or the packs they come in and realize wow, my leadership pile is way bigger than everything else. That's okay, right? It just means you're going to be building more leadership decks. Um, So you might have a little bit of an unbalance in your aspect pool when deck building, but you're going to get to experience your favorite things as soon as possible. So, what is the MCM, Mortal Champions, monthly podcast approved a la carte process? This is what I would recommend you were doing if you were starting the game. First, buy a corset. Play it, love it, cherish it, You know put it on the wall in a shrine and love it forever next thing you're going to do is you're going to buy a campaign expansion this is going to add two new heroes and five scenarios so you'll now have seven heroes and eight villains to play against which is a really good mix if you're doing this again i recommend red skull or mad titan shadow next you're going to buy four hero packs you're going to look at all the hero packs that are available and pick out your favorite hero of the ones that are left that you haven't purchased yet you're then going to pick a hero pack that gets packaged with each of the other four aspects. So you're trying to keep that aspect pool kind of in check. So you'll get four new hero packs to introduce a bunch of more heroes to your deck building. Since you have all those heroes influxed in, go ahead and buy a scenario pack. So there's five scenario packs. There's Green Goblin, The Wrecking Crew, Kang, The Hood, and Mojo Mania. Of those, I recommend Green Goblin, Mojo Mania, or Kang. Kang is a really good, long, multiplayer scenario that has a really unique twist that I don't want to ruin for you. And Green Goblin and Mojo Mania both come with multiple scenarios and really fun modular sets. So really diverse villains um, available in those scenario packs. Then you're going to repeat steps two through four. So you're going to buy another campaign box, the four hero packs, and the scenario pack, and keep going through this loop until you're left with only hero packs left. That's what will happen at the end. There's like six extra hero packs compared to this pattern. So you're going to sort of continually be building your deck building and your villain fighting against um, arsenal while trying to keep your aspect pools somewhat balanced so that's my approved a la carte uh purchasing process but everybody has different opinions on what you should purchase and if you have a recommendation for people of what are the first four hero packs they should pick up like what have the most staple cards things like that should definitely shout them out below I have that for myself, so if you're looking to boost a specific aspect, maybe you played the corset and you said, I'm a protection person. I'm an Americano. He's one of our co hosts on the show. He loves protection. Some great packs for a player like that are Miss Marvel, Spider, and Quicksilver. They all come packaged with protection and add super important cards to the protection aspect. Uh, Miss Marvel adds energy barrier and ways to stun the villain, Spider adds ways to ready and protection and really boost your stats. Um, Quicksilver adds some really unique allies that increase protections potential and they all include like really staple basic cards as well If you're a justice player if you like doing that controlling stuff um, You can probably look into Black Widow Nebula and Venom they add super staple cards You get a little bit of a Guardians archetype in there with Nebula and Venom together because this is Flash Thompson Venom Um, if you're picking leadership you would go with Captain America, Ant-Man, and Ironheart. Captain America and Ant-Man are gonna add some staples to Avengers Leadership, and Ironheart adds like this new archetype of stat pumping and adjusting your stats, which is super fun. For aggression, I'd recommend Thor, Nova, and Wasp. If you got those 12 hero packs, you would have a huge deck building boost. Um, And if you're going to pick a specific aspect to focus on for a while, just getting those three is going to let you build two to three different archetypes within that aspect with each of the heroes you own, which can be super, super fun. So if you're looking to boost an aspect, this is what I recommend. Like I said, there's 41 heroes in Marvel Champions at this point. So that's 36 after the core set. 10 are in campaign boxes so there's like 26 intermingled into hero packs that's a lot of packs to pick from so I've cut it down to like you know my top 12 for deck building those are the 12 I'd recommend to you all right so we got through our buyer's guide let's talk through some strategy tips if you've gotten this far in you deserve something right so here are my top strategy tips to win more games and I'll try to explain them all as quickly as possible so this episode doesn't linger for too 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 long All right, so my first and number one strategy tip is always to play out your entire hand, right? We talked about this before, cards are resources. So at the end of your turn, you can discard down to zero and then draw up to your hand size. Um, Discarding cards there is just throwing resources away, right? If I had five cards in my hand and I spent one card to play another card and I kept three cards back, that's like three resources that I didn't spend. The villain just like, you know... The villain's not going to do that to you. He's not going to choose to just not draw a boost card. So you shouldn't do that to him either. Spend all the resources you can. Obviously, there's exceptions to every rule. If you have a card in your hand that's going to win you the game the next turn, keep it. If you have a card that's like an important piece of your combo, but you couldn't afford it this turn, it might be worth keeping. But if you have like a swinging web kick and an ant May, you might look at swinging web kick and say, oh, this card could do eight damage next turn. I should keep it. But at the same time, You have two more of those in your deck and you're going to draw to them faster if you (laughs) go through your whole hand. So spend all those resources if you can. It's going to help you win games. Spend more time in hero form. I love flipping between hero and alter ego. It's one of the most like exciting things to do in Marvel Champions. But at the end of the day, going to alter ego is for recovering and it's sometimes for an economy boost. Unless you have a really good reason to go to alter ego, you should try to avoid it at all costs because it's giving the villain... Um, activation to a second win condition which is that threat placement so if you can play someone like spider-man and stay in hero form for five turns before you flip down that's a lot less threat to deal with and a lot more of you being able to focus on your win condition of dealing damage so spend as much time as you can in hero form and figure out when is that pivotal time when i need to dip into alter ego recover and then flip back up quickly before the villain makes too much progress on their scheme Try to stick to a 40-card deck. Don't be like the guys in this picture. So in this game, it is a 40- to 50-card deck size. At the end of the day, if you build a 41-card deck, it's not going to be a big deal versus a 40-card deck. Mathematically, a 40-card deck is going to like get you to your solution faster. If you're looking for a single card like Yandu, when you're deck building, you can only include one of each unique card. You would hate to have Yondu be the 40th card in your deck, and have or the last card in your deck, and run a 50-card deck, because that's two extra turns to get to Yandu. That being said, again, you're going through your deck so fast because you're drawing up to your hand size, adding a couple extra cards isn't going to kill you. But at the same time, if you're having a hard time with consistency and you're building 45, 46 card decks, try to figure out which cards are the least useful to you or that you play the least and remove those cards so that you can get to your more powerful cards faster. Now there is a punishment for decking out, and we'll talk about that during the rules segment of this video, but when you deck out your dealt an encounter card that you have to deal with during the encounter phase, um, so there are times when you don't uh, want to have a 40 card deck, or there might be situations where that is an intelligent decision, or a approved, or like, I don't know, not approved, a uh, a next level thinking decision, um, but for the most part what i found is sticking to 40 cards, 41 cards, really helped me get to my combo pieces and my wing condition as fast as possible. Alright, uh, Mulligan Deep. So, again, if you have a one card card you're looking for, like Yandu, that you want to Voltron around, you have a 40 card deck, let's say you stuck to that last rule, and you have an initial hand size of six. When you mulligan in this game, you can discard all the cards from your hand or any number of cards and then draw that many. So, if I need Yandu to set up everything in my deck, I have a bunch of upgrades that are useless until I get to him, I can discard all six cards and draw a new six on my Mulligan. I can play my first turn and end in hero form and then draw five more cards. I've now gone through 17 cards in that first round of Marvel Champions. That's almost half of my 40-card deck. So we have a really generous mulligan here, and it's really important that you take advantage of it. So really dig deep for those important cards. Use deck knowledge. Um, You know the contents of your hand, the board, and your discard pile at any point in time. You can look through your discard pile and know that. Plus, you probably know what you put in your deck, right? So depending on the situation, you can decide how far like, to go into your deck. If you're going to keep a card in your hand and not listen to one of those rules, that's sometimes the right decision. But if you're looking for a card and there's 30 cards left in your deck, you might want to be discarding your hand to find that combo piece faster. Um, so use that to your advantage to figure out how to dig deep into your deck. Or if you have a card that says a player can draw a card. Maybe you really need threat removal and you say, oh, I have one thwart card in my deck. Maybe I'll draw it. But if your deck has 30 cards left, it's a very low chance that the card you draw is going to help. But if there's a justice player with like six cards left in their deck, maybe you pass it to them because they're definitely going to draw something that will help you. So make those decisions based on your deck construction because you get to know that information. Likewise, you get to know what the villain setup is. There's a few villain scenarios where it randomly has you mix in a modular set um, where you won't know what's in the encounter deck. But you know that there's two advances from that standard set. Um, Part of one of our tutorial videos later is going over the standard set. But in the standard set, there's basically two cards that tell the villain to scheme, three cards that tell them to attack, one card that brings this nemesis set that we'll talk about some other day into play, and one card that sort of disrupts your board. So there's always going to be those two advances that could make the villain scheme against you. You get to know where those are. So if both of them are in the discard pile, you can afford to flip down knowing the villain's not going to double scheme. You can afford to flip down or flip to alter ego form. If you don't know where those cards are, that's something that you get to use to your advantage. So know what's in the encounter discard pile and use it to your, your the best of your abilities. Alright, understand card value. Figure out which cards to play at the right time and that seems kind of obvious but at the same time it's not always super obvious right so here's mockingbird she's a three cost ally with one thwart one attack that stuns an enemy when she enters play and here's tackle it's a three cost event that stuns an enemy and could do three damage so you might think okay well mockingbird i pay three i stun the enemy and then over three turns i deal three damage so that's like the same thing as tackle but at the same time, Mockingbird can come into play. She can stun an enemy. She can thwart for two turns or attack for two turns to do one less damage. But then she can block for you as well, which is sort of like an extra stun. Because stun avoids an enemy attack. Now you've avoided one with a stun and one with Mockingbird. So you can sort of double up on that that mitigation or the, the value of this card. Prioritize allies. You really, 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 really want to play a lot of allies. Um, allies are going to win the game, especially your first couple of games while you're playing, because they're gonna defend against those extra activations. So you really want to play a bunch of allies um, so that you can defend during that villain phase, right? We talked about it earlier, the villain's gonna activate against each player, Allies can soak all the damage from those attacks. They can even soak damage from attacks from other players if they defend for them. So allies are going to be one of the most powerful cards in your game. So when you're evaluating two cards, it seems like they do the same effect. If one of them is an ally, it's almost always better to play the ally. All right, here's one of my tricks that we talked about in an article way back in the day, and it was the ABCD method. So it's assemble, build and control, and then defeat the villain. So you're going to assemble your win condition, and this is more about deck building, figuring out what win condition you need, and then going and finding it in your deck. You're then going to build your board around that win condition, so if your win condition is, you know, doing some heroic feat and, like, feeling really cool about it, or if your win condition is defeating the villain using a specific sequence of events or combo of events, or if it's just dealing slow damage over time, build your board to be able to do that win condition, and then finally attack the villain. So what this means is when you're using this ABCD method, like the lowest priority of things to do is to attack the villain. As things are coming out of the encounter deck, I sort of have a priority of things. I always try to clear side schemes, clear minions, and then clear attachments. Fourth, I would build my board state and make myself a better like heroic character And then lastly, I would attack the villain if all those other things are off the table already. And the first three things are kind of murky, right? If there's a minion that's like game ending, maybe you attack that minion before you clear a side scheme. But generally, I found side schemes, minions, and then attachments are the order that I go in. The next tip is to find the turning point. In every game of Marvel Champions, there's a turning point in the game where all of a sudden you're going to want to switch the order and maybe like you're at the point where attacking the villain makes a lot more sense eventually you're going to reach a turning point where like you have enough damage in your hand to defeat the villain and attack the villain becomes the number one priority but at some point there's a turning point where building no longer makes sense you're like so close to defeating the villain that if you can just have a little bit of stability push a little bit of damage you're going to get to your win so Figuring out where that turning point is and not, you know, jumping to it too early or too late is a really important part of Marvel Champions, and it's really something you're only going to figure out with experience. So play a bunch of games, try changing your game style at different points of the game and figuring out where that sweet spot is depending on your deck. Be engaged! Um, this is a big one. The Marvel Champions community is huge. There's a 15,000-person Marvel Champions subreddit, a 10,000-person Facebook group, and multiple 2,000-person Discords. One for our podcast, one for Hall of Heroes, one for like the general Marvel Champions global community. There's a ton of podcasts, and YouTube video channels, and article creators, and there's awesome online resources that you can use to learn more about this game. Most people that are discussing this game love it, right? If you're going to be in a subreddit about Marvel Champions, it's typically like you might complain a little bit about it, but it's really because you love the game. So feel free to ask questions in those Discord servers and on YouTube channels and um, on like Marvel CDB and on Facebook we encourage people to ask as many questions as they can because there are a lot of helpful people out there that do want to help you answer your questions. So if anyone ever does give you a hard time about asking a question, um, know that there's you know 9,000 people that would rather help you than that person. So be engaged with the community. It can be super rewarding to get involved and learn more about other people that love playing this game, just like hopefully you. All right. Frequently asked new player rules questions and mistakes. So you're going to get those rule books and Marvel Champions, right? you're going to read this novel of a rules reference guide. And there's a rule in there that I want to talk about right away. It's called the Grim Rule. I wish it wasn't called the Grim Rule. I wish it was just called the, you know, continue playing uh, function or something. But it reads like this. If players are unable to find the answer to a rules or timing conflict in this rules reference, Resolve the conflict in the manner that the players perceive as the worst possible resolution at that moment with regards to winning the scenario and continue with the game. What it should say is, and then ask the community or like look further in the rulebook later to find that solution or find that rule's um, inquiry. Um, So there's a lot of edge cases and rules and things that might confuse you or things that might, you know, seem murky between two players playing. And the spirit of the grim rule is if you can't find that in the rules reference quickly, rather than like pausing your game and reading the novel that is the rules reference for four hours, just do what feels like it would help you the least and then progress on with your game. Write down what the question was and then go look up the rule later so you can play it like the technically right way the next time. It's really a just like keep playing your game and have fun rule, which I wish it was phrased that way instead of being called an actual rule or something. But it is a rule that a lot of people will reference. So it's in the RRG. You should follow it. um, But at the same time, it's best to know as much about the rules as you can. So that being said, the RRG that came in your core box, it's not a date already i know you're like i just bought this thing and it's already broken no that's not that's not exactly the case but ffg does a a pretty good job of updating the rulebook and answering rules questions through their website there's like a little rules form you can put in under the support tab but if you go to the ffg website for the marvel champions the card game scroll all the way to the bottom down in support and click on the rules tab there's this little rules reference thing that i have circled here in red that is the up-to-date rules reference it's about 50 pages longer than the original rules reference. And some of that is really, really useful information that almost completely changes the way you would play the game from reading that original rules reference because they've they've added such nuance and information to how defending and you and certain terms are defined. At the same time, what I think is the most important part, like the really, really important part of that rules reference guide is there's an appendix, appendix four of the rules reference guide. It's an FAQ and by release they have questions that people have frequently submitted answered and published in the rules book so if you have a question about when something happens or the order that something happens in this will tell you exactly how that works and if you have a frequently asked question that's not in there you can submit it on those FFG rules questions eventually when they update these rule references over time Those questions hopefully get aggregated and put into this appendix, because if you had the question, that means thousands of other players also did. So don't feel bad. Um, You can see here, just for the core set, there's like multiple pages. I can only put one page onto the PowerPoint slide. Multiple pages of answers about different nuances for those core set cards. So as you get more expansions, this becomes even more and more powerful. So definitely check this out. Also, if you go to this Hall of Heroes website that I mentioned earlier, they have a lot of the rules references categorized. When you send a rules inquiry in, sometimes you'll get an email back. People submit them to Hall of Heroes and they sort of aggregate them so that the community can review them and know what the latest rulings are. So that's how you get to like the updated rulebook. But what are some common new player mistakes or new player questions? Um, so I, I talked about boost cards earlier, we'll go through that in the gameplay video. Villains get a boost card when they activate. Minions don't get a boost card. The first time I played I gave all the minions a boost card to, I died real fast. So there is a keyword that can give min- minions the, a boost card, but it doesn't exist in the core set. Um, If you've ever played arkham horror and some of the other lcgs sometimes their equivalent of threat on other schemes counts towards that total threshold of the villain winning in marvel champions only threat on the main scheme counts towards that threshold so if you have side schemes those side schemes are going to be problematic for you but they're not going to add to that threat threshold the hazard icon we talked about, um, it only adds one encounter card to the deal encounter cards phase. So you deal one encounter card to each player and then one extra card to the first player. Or if you have two hazard icons, one to the first and second player. It doesn't add one per player, which a lot of people do. We talked about alter ego action and hero actions and making sure you're in the right form. That's a really tricky thing that a lot of people can get caught up on in that first turn our first couple of games. Um, one thing that I really struggled with at the beginning is I'm so used to at the end of a round readying my character and drawing up to my hand size from all the different card games I've played. Um, having the ready and draw happen sort of in the middle of a round is a little bit confusing. But if you think about it, it's 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 mainly for those protection players, right? You want them to be able to redraw to their full hand size so they can do all their fun protection stuff in the villain phase. So make sure you're readying and drawing all your stuff. And it's another good reason to never like not use your hero activation because. You're going to ready your hero anyway, so you may as well use it. Uh, When a player deck empties, there's two different things that can happen when decks empty. So when a player deck empties, you immediately reshuffle the player deck and deal that player a face-down encounter card. That encounter card gets resolved during the villain phase. So it sits there and waits until you do the resolve encounter card step. When a villain deck empties, you reshuffle the villain deck and place an acceleration token on the main scheme. So that's going to increase how fast the main scheme gets that auto threat placed um at the beginning of the villain phase so those are some of the most common mistakes that i've seen people send me questions about a couple cards that i've seen people really get tricked up on um, spider-man he was in that faq that we just looked at so spider sense interrupt when a villain initiates an attack against you draw one card The initiation of an attack is only if the attack isn't completely avoided, so if you've stunned the villain, a stun will avoid a villain attack, it sort of cancels the attack, then the attack never initiates against you, so if Spider-Man is getting attacked by a stunned villain, they'll discard stunned instead of attacking, and you won't draw a card. Um, webbed Up also is a card that that some people can get confused on, right? So it's got a forced interrupt when attached enemy would attack, discard Webbed Up, then stun that enemy. So it avoids one attack. You don't draw for Spider-Man. Then they're stunned. You don't draw again. It's almost counterintuitive to it being in Spider-Man's kit, but still a really strong card. Um, superhuman Strength um, for She-Hulk. So She-Hulk gets plus two attack. It's a forced response, so it's a response you have to do because it's forced. After She-Hulk attacks, discard superhuman strength to stun the attacked enemy. Um, When you attack with an event, that also counts as attacking. So you might not get advantage from the plus two ATK if you play an attack event. So you've got to be a little bit careful with that one. And then great responsibility is one I've seen a lot of players flip to alter ego form, thinking, oh, I can absorb you know, the scheme activation for the villain. But great responsibility is a hero interrupt. When any amount of threat will be placed on a scheme, you take it as damage instead. So you can use it for that step one of the villain phase, or you can use it when another player flips down, but not when you flip down because you need to be in hero form. So just some common rules things. Um, hopefully we'll get that video made with some more detailed ruling intricacies. But if you have any other questions, put them in the YouTube comments. People will answer them. There's a ton of great and awesome people that answer rules questions on Discord. I know there's a few that I ping in the wee hours of the night and sometimes they respond to me in the middle of the night. I really appreciate that. because um, even after thousands of games, I still get stuck on the rules sometimes. So all right, blinging your game. Why would you ever want to do that? You just spent a bunch of money on this game. Why would you want to, like, spend more money on it? Well, nothing is more fun and tactile than playing with non-cardboard tokens when you're playing Marvel Champions. So let's talk about all the ways you can, you know, pimp out your game and make it as cool-looking as possible. And how to protect it. Um, So first up is storage. And it looks like I put a giant old image on top of where I didn't want there to be one. Isn't that funny? Um, So let me fix that really quick. (laughs) Um, so storage containers, you're going to have to store this game, right? It comes in a box, and the box has an insert, which is like an okay insert, but it's not the best insert. We'll just say that. So there's lots of different ways you can store a card game. BCW has these really awesome cardboard um, storage boxes, so those are pictured here on the left. They look like shoe boxes. you can put a bunch of cards into. I store mine in this like wooden crate for all my villain cards, and these plastic BCW boxes that like stack and interlock. Um, for all my hero and player cards, you can see they just sit on top of my game shelf. I can open them up I know where all my different aspect cards and all my different hero cards are because I'm using dividers These are like really um, High-end storage systems these BCW and wooden boxes, but at the same time they protect my cards super well I've never had cards get bent. I've never had to like rebuy a pack I always know where all my cards are so I'm able to find them quickly when I'm assembling a deck or when I'm trying to put together a bunch of decks for a game night before my friends come over. I've used cardboard boxes before too. They work really great and they're a lot cheaper. Um, So definitely recommend any of those BCW boxes. And we actually have a coupon code for bcwsupplies.com. It's MCMPod, but I'll also put it in the show notes down below. If you use that, you get 10% off your order from any of these BCW supply bins. That being said, not everybody likes to store their cards in boxes, and some like to store them in the original box. So there's companies like Go7 Gaming that make these wooden um, inserts that you can put into your Marvel Champions core box and put dividers in to divide up your cards and place things in different areas. I think both of these are super valid, whether you're using you know a third-party box or an insert into your original box eventually you're going to get so many cards you're going to outgrow that original box and that's really why I've gone to these larger boxes. Now normally with card games I'm a binders person. You can also get three-ring binders, you know, at Target or Walmart or whatever and little card pages to sort all your cards. I love in card games, you know, sorting them by color and then by type and then by cost so I can find all the one cost upgrades or all the two cost allies really fast. And I did that for a long time with Marvel Champions, but sometime in the last year and a half, I got to the point where, like, I had a binder for each of the aspects. And the binders were holding so many cards that I was worried about the pages falling out of the binder. You can see here I have some some other card games stored in binders because there aren't that many cards for those games yet. But eventually those card games will probably get moved into boxes just to keep the cards a little bit more sturdy. If you are buying binders, I definitely recommend these like cloth, you know, One Piece binders by Game Genic or by um, Ultra Pro. Um, or if you're gonna buy like an actual three ring binder, make sure it's a D- ring binder if you get just you know the generic looped binder. Uh, once the binder gets full enough, some of the pages at the front, some of the pages at the back could damage your cards a little bit. So definitely recommend the D ring binder, which means the ring in the binder is D-shaped. Um, but ultimately, I'm a box person now. So used to be a binder person. The game got too big for me. I had to go to boxes nowadays. Tokens! so you get these cool cardboard tokens in marvel champions and they're pretty high quality for cardboard tokens Um, but if you're like me and you play hundreds or thousands of games on marvel champions those tokens basically just start to degrade from like the oils in your skin just like your cards can if you play with them enough Um, so there's lots of different token providers and token creators across the internet so i Gathered some of my favorite into these um, into this presentation and overview to talk about. So if you go to BurgerTokens.com, they have these really cute looking tokens. They're cute. It's, it's be honest, they're cute. Um, and they're they're stickers that you sandwich a penny in between. So it's like a double sided one damage and two damage sticker. And there's threat ones and there's acceleration tokens and confused tough and stun tokens. So all the things that were tokens or like status cards in your core set, you can replace with just a roll of pennies. So it's, like, a dollar of pennies plus, you know, these little stickers you buy from Burger Tokens. They're pretty, like, cost-effective, right? You can replace your entire token set for pretty cheap. Um, They're super tactile because the penny, like, actually adds a lot of weight to the token. And I usually double-side mine, so they're, like, one damage on one side and two damage on the other side. So you can flip the token over and stuff like that. They add a really nice, like appealing look to your game which i really like and if you can't find pennies because there's a coin shortage in some places you can use washers as well so check out your local home depot those work just as well other token creators, so Team Covenant has a pretty cool token um, system. So they've got these cosmic boards you can put a villain or a hero in, and they've got different sets of tokens. They've got hero tokens and villain tokens to track different things. They've even got theme tokens. They had Green Goblin tokens and Wrecking Crew tokens, and they've had X-Men tokens and Holiday tokens. So you can check that out. Um, all the tokens are double-sided, so a one flips into a two, and a, I think a 10 flips into a 20 and things like that. Um, One thing I'll say about the Team Covenant tokens is the writing on them is really, really small, right? If you're looking at the hero tokens here on the left, those writings are pretty big. But the damage on the villain board can be really small when looking across the table. They have these really cool art designs on them. So if you're playing solo or two-player and they're pretty close to you, or if you're, like, way younger than me and have good eyesight still, not a problem. Um, I do have a set of team cabinet tokens that I use for solo, and I love using them for solo. Those cosmic boards you can see there are felt-backed, so they're really good at you know sliding across playmats, which is the thing that I didn't cover in here. Um, even on wood surfaces, they're really good at like, protecting your cards. Um, Sleeved cards also fit into the cosmic board interface. So cosmic boards and tokens, you can use one, you can use both, but just a way to upgrade those cardboard tokens. Um, and the last token seller I want to talk about is Buy the Same Token. You can check out BuyTheSameToken.com or you can check out their Etsy page. They are, in my opinion, the premier token provider for Marvel Champions. And because of that, they're also one of the most expensive, but in my opinion, the most worthwhile. They also make these little hero dashboards that you can see here on the right. You can still tilt your hero sideways in them. They're kind of L-shaped and you can insert your hero's health into there. They have activation tokens. They have tokens for just about everything in the game, right? Stunned, confused, tough, but they also have, like, sand counters for the sand band scenario, and they have, you know, charge counters for Rhino's Charge. They have any token you can think of, they pretty much have immediately after that expansion releases. They even sell this awesome villain dashboard, so you can sort of prop the villain up at the end of the table, and the as, as an old fart, I really appreciate how large the numbers are on all their tokens so I can read them across the table. They're even doing themed boards. So they have like a Wolverine board, they have an X-Men board, they have um, all the different spider heroes have a unique board you can buy so you can really pimp out your favorite hero and make them look really awesome. Alright, so that's enough about tokens. Let's talk about card sleeves. This is probably the most important thing beyond storage for you to bling out your game with. Um, your cards will degrade over time. That standard set that gets mixed into every scenario is used in every card game you play of Marvel Champions, bar a few scenarios. Um, so those cards are gonna wear down over time. And if you start wearing down the cards and can tell what they are from the back, it removes some of the randomization from the game. But also, if you like ruin the cards enough, then you gotta buy another copy of that game, or you gotta buy another copy of that hero pack. If you play Hawkeye, you know, a thousand times, like me. Um, So you can buy really awesome protective card sleeves. So I'm a Dragon Shields person. I know Dragon Shields are more expensive than Penny Sleeves or Ultra Pros or Eclipses, Um, Titan Shields, all the the choices that are out there. But I've had really good experiences with Dragon Shields. Definitely recommend talking to your uh, local game shop and buying Dragon Shields in bulk. I'm able to buy packs of 10 boxes from my local game store, and they give me the bulk price, which is really awesome of them um so they're a bit more expensive i I think right now it's about 10 bucks for a box of dragon shields so to sleeve an entire collection of marvel champions is a lot of money in sleeving but in the entire timeline that i've played marvel champions i've only had two card sleeves from dragon shield split um so that's pretty good um bang for your buck if you're looking for a slightly cheaper option, I recommend Titan Shields um, or Sleeve Kings. Sleeve Kings has really good bulk discount rates from the websites. You can order direct from Sleeve Kings. You can also have your local game store order them for you. Um, just a slightly lower quality um, card sleeve than Dragon Shields, but much lower in price. If you're really wanting to go all in on the Marvel side, um, Game Genic has these really awesome Marvel Champion specific sleeves. So they have some that just have the generic Marvel back like your cards do, but they also have like specific sleeves for almost every hero. Uh, They're a little bit lagging behind and some of the campaign heroes got skipped over, but we've got Guardians wave covered. We've got the Ant-Man wave covered. We've got the core set and our initial wave covered. There's a ton of those out there. You pay a little bit more for having that, you know, not just generic color on the back. Um, What I've been doing right now is all my heroes, all my player cards are in clear dragon shields so that I can see the blue backs. All of my encounter cards are in orange dragon shields because the encounter cards have like an orangeish yellow back. And all my villains are in purple dragon shields so that I know that it's a villain card. And then I get sort of like see-through, just game-genic or titan shield cards for the double-sided schemes and things like that. Um, I do think card sleeves are super important. Um, they will increase the longevity of your game. I will tell you that I have been playing other card games that I bought from FFG for you know decades after that card game has ended. And it's because I sleeved all my cards and took care of them. So it's an investment that's, that's worth it in the end. How much you want to invest in that is a personal decision, is what I would say. Um, so I don't sleeve every game in Dragon Shields. I sleeve the games that I really care about in Dragon Shields, and then I use Sleeve Kings and Titan Shields for the things that I'm like less caring about. And maybe the ones that I'm really less caring about, I live a little dangerously and not sleeve. But that's th- those games are far and few in between for me. Alright, so there's even more things you can play your game out with. There's token trays and more. If you go to Etsy and just search Marvel Champions, you're going to get like a million things you could buy. Um, some of my favorite things are shown here. So Jack Prince actually just bought one of these. Um, it's a little like hero dashboard that can contain your tokens. It can contain your cards. It can exhaust your cards. It can hold your health dial. It can hold your deck. There's even like a deck box holder on it and they make them like specific for every hero. So they just made like a custom hawkeye one that I bought and I am in love with it. So definitely check them out. Make Your Piece Games has these awesome like foam cork token trays. Sometimes we use them as coasters, don't tell them, but um, they're really cool coasters too. Um, but either way, we use those if we're like playing a four-player game and we're all using my Buy the Same Token tokens, we can pass a damage tray around so that we're not flipping tokens all over the table. And then Tesseract Games makes these really, really nice um, dividers. I think they also have them like the low-quality version that you can just print from home, like on regular card paper, but you can also buy them from Nick at Tesseract Games from his website or through Etsy. I actually buy all of those um, and then use them to sort all my cards in those boxes that we looked at earlier so that I can always find villains and heroes as fast as I can. Because one of the longest things you're going to find, or one of the best ways to increase how frequently you get to play this game, is by having a storage system so that you can find things as quickly as possible. That is enough about blinging our game. We're going on an hour and a half, so you new people hopefully are still tuned in with us, but let's go through some community resources for Marvel Champions. So there's a couple websites you should definitely check out. There's hallofheroeslcg.com, which is an index of all things Marvel Champions. They do interview recaps whenever, whenever a contact content creator talks with Um, one of the developers. They have pictures of all the cards so you can figure out what cards are in what pack. They have the pre-constructed deck lists in case you lose those or the inserts in case those get lost due to water or spillage or anything like that. Um, They just have a wealth of knowledge so you should definitely check them out, bookmark them, you know, go there frequently. MarvelCDB.com is a deck building website. You can try out, learn about, or create your own decks and write up about them, or comment on people's decks and ask them why they built things a certain way. This is an invaluable resource to new players, so I really like Marvel CDB. They've done some new features recently where they have like a Hero of the Week and like a Card of the Day, so you can sort of check each day of the week and like learn about how different cards fit into different decks, but there's a really good searchable index of all the decks that people have played and published. Podcast. So you can obviously listen to the MCM podcast. We put out an episode about every other week in a YouTube video we're trying to do every week in 2023. Uh, We'll see how, how well we can stick to that, but pretty excited to try it out. There's some other great podcasts I definitely recommend. So the Critical Encounters podcast. So we focus mostly on the hero side of things. They focus mostly on the villain side of things. So talking about the thematics behind different encounter sets, different modular sets, and the difficulty of those different modular sets and ways to get around them. Marvel Champions by Tony Tales um, is a really great, super analytical podcast, mostly put out on YouTube on the Tony Tales YouTube channel, so definitely check that out. Um, they do a lot of high-level, really high-difficulty play, so if you're into you know trying out some of the hardest challenges in Marvel Champions, check out the Marvel Cham- Champions podcast. Um, Road to Nowhere is a really great podcast about the Marvel Champions Solo Champions League, and that's another thing you should check out. Just go Google Marvel Champions Solo Champions League. It's an awesome solo league put on by um, the commissioner out there. They have a Discord server, and they um, sort of just play through a different challenge every two weeks. There's a scoring system. that sort of ranks you amongst the players, if you will. It is a cooperative game, so at the end of the day, you're like taking a cooperative game and forcing it into a competitive setting. But it's a different lens to view the game through, so it's a different, you know, style of play. There's also just recently a Marvel Champions German podcast as well. And I'm not going to try to say this because I will butcher it, but it translates into something like the Superhuman Law Division Marvel Champions the podcast. Um, so check out you can you can Google that 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 clumber of text right there that i would butcher if i tried to try to read german but i've listened to it a couple times pretty cool youtube there are about a million youtube creators for rebel champions but here are some of my favorites so check out tony tales um for some of his tier lists and hero pack reviews Um, critical encounters obviously focusing on encounter cards again but also gameplay videos tano games really good gameplay videos along with board game lawyer d20 woodworking get up in game and nelson over cards they have kind of a split of gameplay videos but then also detailed working videos there's a lot more content creators out there there's step into the portal there's steve kimmel um who's now i think he's called played D game or something like that so just if you go to youtube and search marvel champions you're going to find about a million people making content because about a million people like this game so you'll find one that you love follow them and let them know because they put a lot of effort into making those videos to to make your experience a lot better. Socials. There's a ton of social media stuff in Marvel Champions. We mentioned this a little bit earlier. There's like a 15,000 person <laughs> subreddit and a 10,000 person Marvel Champions LCG community Facebook group. There's a couple Discord servers that I would recommend, so I'll put those links in the show notes below. There's the Hall of Heroes Discord server, there's uh, the MCM podcast one, and then there's the global one, which is the biggest one, which is kind of like the generic one for all Marvel Champions discussion ton of great players on there there's a new players channel there's an ask a rules question channel so if you're ever stuck with a rules question um, or you couldn't figure out the answer after you grim ruled it um, at the end you can ask it in there and someone's probably going to be able to find it for you within a little bit of time all right and events there's a ton of cool marvel champions events all over the world Um, some of the ones that i would recommend FFG usually does something at Gen Con. They did a preview before the game launched, and then last year they previewed the X-Men box a couple months before it came out at Gen Con. So definitely check out Gen Con in Indianapolis. Uh, I think it's in August. But then also check out Con of Heroes. So if you go to conofheroes.com, you'll find a convention focused all on Marvel Champions. And full disclaimer, I'm one of the organizers for Con of Heroes, so I would like you to go because I would like to play a game of Marvel Champions with you. But con of heroes 2023 is confirmed and booked for may 5th through 7th in roseville minnesota i know we're going into the cold tundra of minnesota but hopefully in may it's not too bad and it has the advantage of being next door to the ffg headquarters so hopefully we can see some cool stuff there um, and at least be close to where this cool game is created so last year we had about 100 people i think over the weekend we probably (laughs) played over a thousand games of marvel champions amongst those hundreds of people um and it was just a really great time to meet different people from the community play a couple different challenging games and try out some you know custom campaigns from within the community so definitely check out that website we'll have more about that in the youtube video leading up to the event um but want to let everybody know that tickets are still on sale for con of heroes 2023 and with that we are done with this initial episode my goal was an hour and a half and we hit an hour and 31 minutes so that is pretty good talking like a fire hose i apologize for that Thanks for tuning in, as always. Check back later this month for Rhino, Claw, and Ultron strategy guides. Those are the three villains from the core set we're going to provide strategy guides for. We're going to do a deck-building deep dive and some core set playthroughs all throughout the month to support new players in this awesome game that is Marvel Champions. Thanks for tuning in, as always, and have a great day.